Hey everyone, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Brand Power Analysis. Today I have on Gentry Mullins. Hey Gentry, how are you doing today? Why don't you tell uh, everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, first off, you know, appreciate you guys having me on the on the pod. Obviously, really, you know, excited and grateful for these opportunities. So excited to be here. Uh, yeah, I've spent my entire career in the, the sports business landscape. You know, I'm somebody that you know came from a you know, a background that absolutely had zero connections to the industry. Um, but, uh, you know, got my start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a selling capacity. Uh, really honestly had no any idea about sales in the sports landscape. You know, for me, it was just one of those things where you just expect these stadiums to fill themselves because, you know, it's such great entertainment. But obviously for the last eight years, I've found out that that's certainly not the case. Uh, then I moved up over to the Phoenix Suns after about two and a half years with the Buccaneers where I, uh, I rebranded and helped revitalize an inside sales program that had a lot of history with the Suns. And so really that was about, you know, getting those entry level, you know, professionals in the sports business landscape, teaching them how to be a professional, teaching them how to sell. And then after two great years in Phoenix, I uh, I went out to the Midwest with the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James had just left. And so they were really looking to rebuild their sales efforts. And so uh, it was a huge undertaking, but, uh, you know, that's what we did after three years, you know, by focusing just on people and process, we found ourselves, you know, towards the top of the revenue rankings in the NBA. And then, uh, you know, last July, uh, well, last February, I got an incredible opportunity to, to get to team up with a couple of individuals that I just look up to immensely uh, and Travis Apple and Luda Polly to, to help them really, you know, build out uh, a new vertical within the general sports worldwide landscape. And what we do is we focus on, you know, executive search, finding the most talented people out there to help join sports organizations. We help uh, from a consulting perspective and helping where we go in and either consult, you know, train on sales and leadership uh, and revenue. So uh, we focused on that for the last, uh, you know, for the last you know year. And uh, in addition to that, we also operate the Clubhouse, which is a career development platform, uh, which is really, you know, our mission just to give back and pay it forward into the industry like so many others have for us. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I heard there a little bit, you used to work for the Phoenix Suns. What, what year, what, when, when did you work for them? Yeah, I was there 17 and 18. Ah, uh, so you were way past me. I was there in 13. I was there in 13. So I know a little bit of the structure and my brother-in-law at the time, he actually was on the sales team there himself. And so there's our little bit connection right there. Nice. Yeah, it's always a small world in the sports yeah, world. Yeah. Um, unfortunately I wasn't creating the sales decks at that time, um, when you were there, but, um, so um, that's great to hear. So what made you kind of make this transition um, to from the actual working with the teams to kind of building your own consulting agency? Yeah, you know, I think for like a lot of people, I, I really got this entrepreneurial itch during the pandemic to, to really want to, you know, just stretch myself and challenge myself in a, in a couple different ways than I probably had for the last eight years. You know, instead of getting to focus on just one team and where we were taking that, I really wanted to focus on how we could, you know, really help the entire sports landscape. So, you know, we travel from all across, you know, North America um, and get to meet with teams and just understand, you know, what their business you know, landscape looks like. How can we help amplify that? Uh, how, how can we help them find talent? You know, you know, one of our differentiators as a, you know, as a vertical is just the fact that like we've sat in, in these leaders and these team members shoes. Right. Whether it's the entry level salesperson or whether it's the person overseeing the whole team, you know, we, we understand what these folks are going through. And so that was really the, the mission for us is like we know they need more resources. We know they need more people that can help them. 
And so that was the mission. It's like, how do we just help these folks, you know, just be better at what they do on a daily basis. And so um, it's just really cool for me because it's obviously an opportunity to, to get to meet so many people, to get to travel across the country. Um, and again, just, you know, you know, getting to interact with, you know, multiple teams and leagues um, that in turn, you know, obviously help us grow. So. Yeah. No, it is. It is great. That, and I, and I think that for, for all of our listeners out there that, you know, are making that, you know, thinking about making that leap into the business world, what are some of the, uh, the challenges you had to go through as you kind of made that transition? Um, and how did you really get through those, those transitions as you started moving towards working for yourself? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest, I think the biggest adjustment for me was just, you know, making sure that you keep the discipline for your calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was, you know, at the at the Cavs and at the Suns, like I would come in and, and my calendar would really be built out for me. You know, I basically had, you know, two, three weeks planned out at a time. And it was basically all meetings that other people had thrown on the calendar, or it was meetings that we just knew we needed at that time of the year. And, you know, obviously when you come into this world, like if you don't take it, you know, take the own initiative on yourself. Like if my calendar is not full today, it's on me. It's on nobody else but myself. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, they don't, they don't like that. You know, if you're somebody who's motivated and and type A and driven to do those things, like you feel kind of like this gamification, you know, from it, right? Like it drives you and it pushes you every day. And so I think that's probably the biggest adjustment that I've had to have. And then, you know, the second one would just be the communication. You know, obviously I, I've worked for three, you know, organizations that have pretty similar DNAs, you know, from, in my opinion, but, you know, you, you, you meet some teams and you meet some leaders that don't think anything like you. And it's how do we get on the same level and how do we sync up to make sure that we're communicating in a way that's not only beneficial, you know, for them, but also for us so that they get the results that they're looking for. Yeah. I think that, I, I think that that's been a challenge that I've seen over the years, even in, in my businesses is understanding that you can have a, you can have a vertical, you can have, uh, you know, your target audience and who you're trying to go after. You can have your mission, but at the end of the day, the, the psychological traits of each individual are going to be different. They're different things motivate them. And so trying to be able to pivot, um, pivot and be able to learn different people accordingly, especially if you are an introvert. And I, I see that a lot. A lot of introverts have a hard time kind of going in and and understanding that they have to become extroverts in, in some sort of fashion. Yeah. And, you know, that's, a, that's an adjustment I think everyone has to have, right? And you got to, you know, what I always try to tell our team members is like, you have to be authentic to yourself because at the end of the day, whether you're interviewing, whether you're working with a client or a team on that, on that level, it's like, if you're somebody that you're not really, then you're not going to be satisfied with the results that you produce. And obviously the team, the employer, the client, none of those people are going to be satisfied with the results either. So like you have to make sure that you're being authentic to yourself, but also like you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to be agile to like you mentioned, like, you know, in certain situations, like how do you adapt to being a little bit more conversational, be a little bit more, you know, enthusiastic in those interactions. I think you brought up an interesting subject and something that I've been really trying to push a lot with um, with our target um, and, and our followers is teammates. Um, and you talk a lot about you going in and helping a lot of these organizations with their with their sales structures and building a team and leadership and, and things of that nature. So could you talk a little bit about how that how what you do for your clients or even what you've learned through the years of becoming a leader in the industry 
in the corporate world has helped you and or how you have really worked with building your own team? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I could take that a couple of ways. I mean, I think the, the most important thing for me, and I, I learned this in my first, you know, probably three months on the job in Tampa is like, you know, be the teammate that you want to work with. And, and for me, like, I, I don't want to work with jerks all day. I, I just don't. Like, I work a lot. I love to work. And so for me to go into, a, you know, an organization or in a business that, like, I don't like the people that I'm working around or they're just rude or they're they're not happy to be there, like, that's just not going to be very enjoyable for, for myself. And so, you know, that's the number one trait that I always look for when, when, when we're interviewing for whether it be my team, whether it be somebody else's team, whether it be leadership, anything is like, number one, are they genuinely a good human being? Above all else, like, that's the number one thing I want to know. Because if, if you're that, then at least you're at least going to be pleasant to be around, right? And so I think that's the number one thing that that I've always looked for. And then two, you know, when you talk about building a team is like, you know, what is the team needing? You know, like, I think that's the biggest thing, because when you look at your team members, they're going to emulate, you know, the leaders that are overseeing them. They're going to emulate those top performers on the team. So when you're hiring those people, like, you want them to be good teammates because you want that to trickle down to all the team members all the way down to the entry level folks. Right. Because like, you know, some people like some people need a guide, some people need a model, like a lot of entry level folks are going to look to what that, you know, what you're celebrating as success, which is those top performers. And if you want more good teammates, like you need to have good teammates being those top performers. So again, you know, boiling it down to, to point number one, priority number one is like, how do we just find genuinely good human beings because if we do, then we're going to have a pretty good team and people that want to work around each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes total sense. And I think that um, the hiring process itself can go in so many ways. I mean, me, even as a business owner myself, as I've learned the processes of, of, of honing in our sales process um, when it comes to um, internal hiring and things of that nature, I've really gotten really heavily into like you said, you, you don't want people exactly like you, but you want people that have some same motivations or same sort of personalities of wanting that same culture. And so um, do you do, do you do any sort of personality tests? Do you, you, do you focus on having some sort of, of way of, of when you're talking to these individuals to kind of help, I'm not going to say, unfortunately weed them out, but to really find those right fits for, for the companies. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I, when I was at the Suns, we we definitely used like a personality index. Uh, it was PI, which was I thought was incredible. Um, and it gives you this really good, deep look at it, you know, of somebody. And so, you know, in my current capacity, like we'll, we'll partner with certain teams or they'll have personality indexes or they'll have some of those assessments that they want us to basically include, you know, throughout our hiring process. And we'll obviously, you know, be c- conducive to those things. You know, for us, like we do a really big job on the front end of just understanding what the client's looking for and what they're wanting out of, of that client from a, you know, not only like, for example, from a sales process standpoint, but like an intangible standpoint. Like, are they needing people to lead an attitude and effort? Or are they needing somebody that's just, you know, X's and O's from a sales standpoint? So we do a, a, a really extensive amount of work on the front end just to understand like what, what's the type of individual they're looking for. You know, mm-hmm. secondly, it's, you know, it's it's a multiple pronged approach throughout that interview process to make sure that, you know, somebody's not really faking it, you know, through the process. Like if you have multiple interviews, like hopefully like their true colors are really showing. Um, and then, you know, the third thing that, you know, I talk a lot about with my clients is like, look for those really small instances in like those like informal interviews, you know, like 
when you're at lunch with the candidate? Like, how are they treating the server? Like when you're walking to the car, can they carry a conversation? Like if you're grabbing a drink with a candidate after the game or before the game, like, do they know, like, you know, how much fun is too much fun? Like, you know, try to find that person when their guard's down, you know, to really find out who that individual is. And so that's what I really try to focus on with our clients and myself, especially when I was overseeing teams is like, who are these people when, you know, they're, they're not interviewing per se, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and and that's an interesting subject. I, I remember when the the Suns actually brought in the culture index. It was it was right when I it was around the time I was there when they brought it in. Did you ever end up taking the culture index yourself? I did. I did. It was spot on. And yeah, I, think what, I liked it because it what, was so spot on. What are you? What what's your what's your? Uh, do you remember what you are? Honestly, I don't. It's so funny because I you know we're moving here in a couple of weeks. Um, and I just found my like team's PI index, but I was hoping mine was going to be in there, but I couldn't find it. It's interesting. Cause I, I, I took it, I, I took it. And then I took it again, like six months later for, for a different situation. And, um, as I was going to kind of start using it for my team. And, uh, I realized that, uh, I was still the same thing. And so it's funny because your personality doesn't really, certain attributes could switch, but you're overall, I'm a technical expert myself, which makes me one of those, those few that, you know, likes the processes and likes the SOPs and stuff like that. That's kind of my thing. Um, but, uh, so with what you do, do you ever, do you ever interact, um, not, you know, not with the, the actual, you know, in an organization, because I I'm very similar to you. I would say everyone, everyone in an organization of like the Suns, any professional team, they're all part of the team. That's that's how I always look at it. But do you ever do you ever work with or have brought in any sales reps that maybe have been previous professional athletes or athletes in capacity that may have come in and be looking for a for a sales opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've we've definitely had a lot of collegiate athletes that have came through the you know through the ranks you know of our organizations um, over time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything unique about um, if you were to sample some of these athletes that you could take away from them compared to some of the other um, individuals that you might be looking at bringing in? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that that always sticks out. I'm sure this isn't you know the first time it's probably been said on this podcast is like. You know, I think the best thing about student athletes is like they just know the amount of work and grind that it goes into to being in the sports business, because a lot of these folks, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I signed on to play college baseball, like, you know, you're working out at 5 a.m., then you're going to class, you know, then you're going to class throughout the day, you got your studies, then you've got practice, and you've got to come back and do studies, and so... I think it's just like they understand what that grind looks like. And it's not as much of a like a you know shock to them as maybe it is to some other individuals that, you know, maybe just only focused on school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. I mean, I've I've dealt with a lot of, you know, retired athletes myself. And I think one thing that I have seen is not going to say the opposite, but I feel like it either goes one way or another. You have athletes that are very great at, at having that evolutionary trait of becoming a leader. Um, or you see some of the, the athletes come out and be like, not understand how much work went into getting that post up on social media or getting that, getting those sponsorships for the arena. And I, and I'm even the, the fans out there, even anyone listening that may be looking to get a job at a, at a sports um, organization and, or, 
you know, an athlete that may be looking for a sports organization. And I think you would, you would agree with me on this, but until you're in it, you don't really understand the, the premise of the structure of how it works. Um, and I think that a lot of fans get misconstrued and they think that, you know, even though it's an entertainment type of, of industry, that there's somewhat no business that really has to happen um, within there. They all think, oh, they're just going out on the football field or the, the basketball court and playing a game. They don't understand how much work and effort goes into finding those co-partnerships, finding those, um, finding those, uh, you know, playing those players a certain amount of money on purpose because they, the, the whole goal is to actually entertain the fans. Winning is just a, a you know, a buy structure of, entertaining the fans you know um even down to what the arenas do when season isn't on like the stuff that they do internally to rent out the stadium and stuff like that um so yeah little rant there i rant sometimes but um no i mean i I think i think people would be shocked whether it be athletes whether it be just the normal fan of just like there's so much that goes on behind the scenes to to create, you know, that three hours of entertainment that they're about to have. Right. And so, um, and that's just in, you know, it's not only in the arena, it's also like the viewing, you know, experience at home. Like there's, there's so many different aspects that I think people would just be shocked if they saw, you know, how many people are employed by that team, you know, the different types of roles and scopes that go behind that team and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. Even down to, I think the biggest thing that I see every time is when I watch a game and a, and a highlight happens or something happens and literally two seconds later, you already have a reel up on commercial of, of that with, with graphics and stuff. I mean, so those, those teammates have to be ready, like six or seven people have to be ready to do something within minutes and people just don't see it, but that's all part of showing the, the viewing experience to the audience, you yeah. know? Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit more about um, your purpose? Like, I want to hear you kind of talk to me about your journey, but I'd love to hear a little bit more on, on, to be honest, some of your failures, like what made you, what, what kind of shifts have you had to make? What kind of uh, struggles have you gone to, to, to make it where you are now? Yeah, those those are great questions. And I'll start with, you know, with the purpose piece, because I think, you know, anytime that you get further away from it, I think that's where some of those failures really come into place. Right. And so, you know, I think my purpose is, is like, you know, again, I'm from, you know, small town, rural Virginia, right on the Kentucky border. Um, You know, it's basically coal mining country back there. Really no one leaves. It's like that quintessential, like small town, like football town that like no one leaves. And, um, you know, I, obviously my family was blessed, uh, but, you know, we weren't wealthy by any means, but we, you know, we didn't really ask for anything. Um, and so, you know, for myself, like, you know, like I said, I signed on to play college baseball. Um, so I ended up signing, I think, 45 minutes away from, from home for, for college. Um, and, uh, you know, we had to, uh, I really wanted to work in sports. I didn't know what that meant though. You know, like, I thought like, you know, best case scenario, I work for a minor league baseball team in Johnson City, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia. And I don't know what I'll do, but I'll just work for them. I'll live in a big city, you know, Bristol and Johnson City, which is funny. Um, And, you know, that'll kind of be my life. And so, you know, going into my like junior year, we basically had to do an internship. And so, 
you know, a lot of my, you know, classmates, you know, they kind of just, you know, check the box. They just wanted to get the internship done as quickly as possible and get back to their summer. And, and for myself, I just thought, well, if I'm actually going to like want to work in sports, like I need to find a really good internship. And so, you know, I went across all the job boards and I, and I found teamwork online and, you know, I just thought it was the coolest website at the time. It was, you know, every team possible was, you know, posting these jobs and I applied for 163 of them. You know, and it didn't matter if it was in sales, if it was community relations, human resources, anything, everything I applied. And uh, I got one response back and it was a group sales internship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to be candid, like the email itself was a big win for me. Like just the fact that I could tell my parents that like, oh my God, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like they emailed me. Like that was cool. Like my family lost it just by getting an email from them you know, by no means did I think I was going to get a job. And so, you know, I'll, I'll always say like my getting that job and going through that interview process and landing the job was like the best sale I'll ever make because it changed the whole trajectory of my life. You know, and I remember telling my college professor, like, Hey, I'm going to go be a group sales intern. He's like, well, what's that? What, what do they need people to sell tickets for? And, uh, you know, I went down there and again, I had no clue what sales was. But I just, I absolutely loved it. You know, the energy, the people that I was around, the competitive like aspect of it. And then, you know, during the summer, like I had these individuals that really invested in me, you know, like, you know, reps that were about to be leaders, the leadership team, like, you know, they didn't have to give this, you know, intern any time of day, but, you know, I made sure that they knew that I wanted to be there, that I was going to be first in last out, that I was going to outwork all of my peers and, you know, they invested in me. They, and they stayed in touch with me throughout my, you know, my last year of school. Um, I ended up graduating in three years just so I could get back there faster. And, you know, that was my mission from day one when I, you know, went back as a full-time account executive. It was like, how do I do what they just did for me? Because like, they just changed your life. Like, how do you do that for others? And so, you know, that's what I basically focused on since then is like, you know, how do I give others these lives that they didn't think were possible? Uh, because if, you know, somebody hadn't invested in me, like me and you are on a Zoom call right now. Yeah. Um, how has that purpose evolved for you? Um, I mean, I know that I think one thing that I'm really starting to learn is as my business evolves itself is, you know, usually your purpose evolves too. you know, uh, yeah. you know, every five years, 10 years or so. And so how do you feel like your purpose shifted um, from, let's say, then to, let's say, let's say about the time, oh, let's even say this, let's say, how did your purpose switch from when you first started and going out on your own to even what, two years, two years now um, later? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I would say it's probably reaffirmed it more than anything. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, how do you do that for this wider scale, but also how can you still find those individuals and those teams and, you know, those leaders that help you get really deep, you know, because again, like, you know, if you want to, you know, I, there's, I always say like, there's these, there's two big differences, right? Like you can impress people, but you can do it as, at a distance, right? Like no one has to know you. They can see your title. They can see the things that you do, the stats, the numbers that you express. But if you truly want to influence people, like you have to get close, right? And you have to, you have to be vulnerable. You have to share your failures. You have to do all of those things that like somebody says like, oh, like, you know, Gentry may be, you know, a couple of years ahead of me from, you know, from an experience standpoint or from a title standpoint, but like, he's one of me, like he's failed before, like he's went through challenges before. 
And so like, that's one thing that I've really just tried to focus on is like, even if I am working with, you know, you know, 20 teams now compared to one is like, how do I still find team members? How do I still find those former team members, those leaders that I can get really deep with and help instill some things, you know, from my personal belief system that they can go out and do the same thing for their teams and for their people. Right. And so it's just like, how can we just do that on a much grander scale rather than just myself? Yeah, much. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it seems like you found your, uh, a good path and it's, it's driving you right now, which is incredible. I give you kudos for that. Um, back to, back to those failures aspects. Do you have any, any failures that you would love to share with the community to kind of give them, you know, hope on some things that I've, I've tended to see personally, um, just as the growth of my business has gone along that a lot of these failures that people have kind of our mindset situations that happen pretty much around the same time for the same time for certain people on the, the level of stage they are at their business. And so I'd love to hear from you, like some of those failures that you may have went through um, and how they, how you overcame those. Yeah. Yeah, man, I think, you know, looking back on it, I think the things that I think I would change probably is like, and you know, it's funny because I had leaders and mentors telling me the same thing as I was going through it is like, you know, just being really, you know, dead set on certain titles by certain timelines. And those things are just completely out of your control. You know, I think for me, like I would have really wish I would have enjoyed those first three years of my career with my friends way more than I did. The only thing I focused on was like, how do I just get to the top of the board? How do I get promoted as quickly as possible? All of those things. And, you know, to a certain extent, I don't regret some of those things because it's led to me to the situation that I'm in. Um, but it's also one of those things of like, you know, like would would I still be in the same seat if I would have took a couple of those Saturdays and went to the beach with my friends instead? I would think so, you know, knowing what I know in my seat now. Uh, but, you know, I just think I was like only zeroed in on work. I wasn't a very good, I was a very good professional. I wasn't, a, I didn't have a very good balanced life, if that made sense. Yeah. And I would say probably for the first seven years of my career, I don't think I was a very good overall human being i think it was a very good professional i think i you know i i knocked that part of my my life out of the park but when you talk about you know was i in the best shape of my life no was i the best you know christian that i could be no you know was i the best you know family member that i could be no like i was only focused on having this one thing and that was you know a one-time one-time multi-dimensional life whereas now like I think for the last you know two years, I've really figured out that like you can do it all. You just have to be really intentional about it. Like I can be, and you know, my faith and my fitness and my career and my you know friends and my girlfriend. Like we can all like they can all flourish, but you have to be really intentional about it and be all in and be present where you are, rather than making this excuse of like oh I can only be one or the other. And I think that's what I've had to learn, and it's took you know some you know some hard lessons along the way, but. Um, it's made me a better person overall. The fine line between um, mindset, personal, personal development and personal um, scheduling and how it, funny enough, affects business owners. I think that a lot of people, and I mean, I went through the same trope and, and you kind of brought this up a little bit too. I think that when you first start out I think when you first start out a business, um, you kind of get into this routine of even in the corporate world, you know, you get into this routine of 
of not keeping yourself healthy, not focusing on family time, not focusing on, you know, there's a plethora of things out there that you, you know, that, that happens. But, um, I'm start, I'm starting to realize, and I've started to see as I'm hitting the next stage in my business and, and my mindset shifting, um, how important mindset really is. I think a lot of people, I think even me at the very beginning, I, I, mindset wasn't really a big thing for me. I always looked at it as, oh, fake gurus trying to talk about how to shift your mind and blah, blah, blah. Now that I'm now that I'm in a certain spot, I'm noticing now how important mindset is and not just mindset, but like you mentioned, personal development and how it plays a huge role in the success, whatever success might look like to anyone, but the, the overall achievement of that. And so, um, can you give me a little bit of insight on, on, um, you talked about some of your failures, some of the good things on, you know, your personal development and, and, and kind of where you're at now, what, what shifted in your mind? Like what really made you, um, take that mindset shift and be able to really start working on yourself and, and utilizing yourself to kind of push yourself forward? Yeah. You know, I, I would say the pandemic was that for me. You know, I think, you know, obviously like when you're on and I don't want to call it, you know, a hamster wheel, but like when you're on this wheel and like the only thing you're thinking about is like, how do I get from point A to point B as fast as possible? And that's the only thing you think about all the time. And then all of a sudden this, you know, this, you know, this event happens where it makes everyone stop, right? Like no matter like what you were doing, like you had to stop during the pandemic because we were made to, then all of a sudden like you're made to like sit with yourself, right? And then you have to think through like, well, you say you want this, but why is that? Right. And then I think a lot of people had to start going through those, like those motions of like, okay, like, let me sit here and think about like why I actually want this in life, you know, or, well, Hey, like, let's evaluate like all the aspects of your life. Okay. Like grade yourself. And that's what, that's what I tell people all the time. Like, you know, if you, if you want to know where your life's at, just grade yourself on all the, you know, the important factors of your life, you know? And so like, if I'm saying, Hey, I'm a great professional, but I'm not a great, you know, you know, boyfriend, then, you know, like I probably need to put some work in there just like I would if it was my career. Right. You know, the difference is I've got a boss over here in the career side. I don't really have a boss over here from a relationship side to say, Hey, like, here's like, you know, a couple of your blind spots that you need to be working on. Right. Like Lucy can give me that, that feedback, but you know, at the end of the day, like she's not the boss for that case. Right. So, you know, I just think for myself, it was really like sit with yourself, figure out like, what are those important things in your life? Like, how do we get you from where you are to where you want to be in all those aspects of your life? And then, you know, there also has to be this moment of like, well, I'm not very satisfied where I'm at in those aspects. Right. And then it's on you to say, well, I'm either going to, you know, put up with the the evil of the change that I have to take on, or I'm just going to live with the evil itself. Right. And so I think I just had to, to go through the, that motion. And I, but I don't think it happens unless, you know, an event like, you know, COVID-19 makes everyone stop in their tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've tended to personally realize how important, um, personal development is even to the success of a business, because uh, there's, there's something that, that, that I see quite a bit. And I used to call the, the common business woes, you know, business depression, where you'd have one really good day. And then the next day you'd be down and you'd be like, Oh, I'm not achieving this, but what does success look like to anybody? You know? And I think a lot of people get into this grind of, 
this grind of, oh, I need to make it to a million dollars or I need to make it to $5 million or to be successful. That's what they contribute success is. But as your mindset starts shifting, um, I mean, I know me personally, as my mindset started to shift, money was really, it's still important, but it was somewhat irrelative. Um, it was more about the journey and trying to be the best person I could possibly be to help not just myself, but paying my employees, paying, helping them achieve what they want to achieve. And so I think with, with the personal side, it's just so important. I think for all of our followers listening that, yeah, like focus on yourself first. I mean, it's not just, you know, business, not just your career, but also your family life. I mean, funny enough, one of my business advisors told me the other day, like, you know, work on your personal self, start working on your personal self a little bit more. And um, I mean, I, you kind of already know this, but that also helps your relationship, you know, with what you're doing with your significant other and your children even. Yeah. Um, and so back to something that you said at the very beginning that that was interesting to me was you were talking a lot about um, when you're looking to hire these people, you 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 check their, their vulnerable vulnerability of like what they're doing outside, like going to the, like how they, how they treat a waiter or how they treat that. So how does, how does personal development play a role in, in you helping these teams find somebody to hire? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a big part of it because, you know, a lot of times, like if they're coming out to, to ask for us for help, they have a pretty big need that they need filled. Right. And so, you know, I think it's for them, it's okay. Well, you know, if you're wanting, you know, for, I just, I think it's very hard for you to be an A and not really focus on personal development, whether you want to admit that you, you focus on personal development or not, you mm -hmm. know? And so I think the best people out there, like, I, I know I'm not in the seat I'm at if I hadn't took a really big focus on how I can be better. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a big part of the evaluation, just understanding who they are in human beings, getting into their psyche about why they made certain moves to certain places at certain times in their lives. Right. I think that all kind of, you know, shows you how they're going to, you know, basically, you know, operate in the future. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a massive part because, again, you know, these these teams and organizations are coming to us saying we want the best of the best. And I just think you're going to be hard pressed to find the best of the best without, you know, making sure that someone's focused on becoming the best version of themselves at all times. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that goes into a lot of um, things that I've learned during our hiring processes, but um, even talking to my wife or something that you said a little bit earlier, when you were said trying to find those things that employees can, um, that they're gratified on um, because I think our society has kind of pushed a normality that, and, and I'm not saying this isn't a part of it, but that money is the thing that everyone thrives for is more money. When in reality, in reality, that it really depends on a person's individual, their, their, their personality and, and what they, you know, thrive for, you know? Yeah. And so I think that does come a lot into the, the test they take or the kind of person they want, or even a person's purpose. Um, and I know for me, for instance, you know, like I said earlier, like money, of course, is always a driving factor, but my driving factor and my purpose is I want to give back. And so I, I'm not going to be able to do that until I make enough money to be able to give back the way I want to give back. And I don't, I just don't see, um, 
I just don't see money the way I used to. And I think that that that's a very important thing for all of our followers to kind of possibly take away for this is they're looking for a job in in sports. They're looking to get in sales even. I mean, I know that value is a very big opportunity factor when it comes to sales um, is to, you know, really find your purpose first and foremost and, and understanding that it will grow, it will change and, and things of that nature as you're trying to find, but really work on yourself. I think that that if, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point. You know, I think, you know, and, and that's why it's so important to get to know your team members, right? Cause everyone's motivated by something different. You know, like you said, like compensation, maybe not the number one thing for you, but maybe at some point in your life it was right. You know, for, for me, like, you know, whenever I've evaluated a new opportunity, you know, kind of come my way, I, I really boiled it down to four things is, you know, one, like the opportunity and the impact that you can make. Like I want to go in there and I want to see, you know, the, the beliefs and the systems and structure that I have that it actually like leads to results Two, like the compensation, like, is this, you know, a compensation that leads to the type of life that I want to live now and long-term, like, like you mentioned, like, is it a compensation that gets you to a place where you can give back the location? Like, obviously that's a big one right now, especially after 2020 is like, you know, do you want to live in the city that you want to live in? Like, is the flexibility of being able to work from anywhere in the world important to you? Like, I think that one, you know, increases every day. And then number four is like, you know, for, for me, it's always been like, who's the person I'm working for, you know, because that's going to be the person that gets to know all of those things about me and, you know, knows what buttons to press, knows where to push me to challenge me to be the best version of myself, make sure I'm focusing on the personal development we just talked about, gets to know me, gets to know my family, those things. So, you know, and, and again, those are just my four things. Like you could go on I and mean, you could talk for the next two hours about other factors that you could add into this, you know, to these equations. But I think it just goes back to your point of like, yeah, you know, it's really up to the individual to say, hey, what motivates me? What challenges me and, and inspires me to be the best version of myself every single day? Yeah, I, I tended to when when I when I was in my final corporate job um, working at Pearson before I uh, before I jumped out on my own about six years ago, it was um, there was a very big, uh, you know, I had. The, what really pushed me, I'm not going to say push me out the door, but really funny enough, really helped me with where I am today was I had three bosses in like a two, a two to three year period. And yeah. it was one of those situations where I kind of call it the the Goldilocks syndrome, you know, I had a really good boss, I had a medium boss, and then I, I, I didn't have a so great boss. And, and it was one of those situations where I, I came to realize um, that it's not about the dream job. It's about are the dream position it's about the dream career you know i mean you you could be you could find your dream job but if the boss isn't you know your boss isn't someone that like you said isn't relatable to you and isn't willing to work with you then you're just going to be miserable you know or if you find a really good boss at you know working at mcdonald's down the street you could be happy as happy can be <laughs> i always say like your your boss really determines if your life's heaven or hell yeah right? you spend you spend more time with that person than a lot of times your family mm -hmm. right? so like is that going to be the person that you want to spend all of your time with every single day you know and so that's why i would say it's like it's either heaven or hell so you better yeah i know which one i want to choose so <laughs> <laughs> i know i know especially as you get older too i think it does come down i mean you know i have two young children now myself um and you know that's that's changed my purpose a little bit in itself oh, just because, you know, my, my business was my baby and, you know, now it's 
I'll, for my wife's sake, I'll say fourth baby, you know, <laughs> and now we have two children in there too. Yeah. I mean, it has to, right. For, for you to focus on it being a, again, a well-balanced overall life and not just a career, right. Which has kind of been like the theme of this conversation is like, how do you have a really you know, well-balanced life, dream life, not a dream career, not a dream job, those things like a dream life and your career is a big part of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Gentry, it was great having you on. Um, again, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about um, who you help, how you can help them, and um, where they can connect with you? Yep. So, so again, you know, part of General Sports Worldwide, you know, big focus of ours is how do we help teams and organizations find the most talented people? How do we help those organizations, whether it be through consulting, training, you know, just improve their overall business operations, whether it be their team or their executives. Um, so that's a big part of it. Um, obviously, you know, too, like check out the clubhousecareers.com. It's a great platform for those that are either wanting to break into the industry or are, you know, wanting to, you know, to take their game to the next level. We've got trainings, we've got webinars, we've got um, mentors on there that have raised their hand and say they want to have conversations like the one that me and you just had, Zach. And then lastly, you know, I put out a ton of content on LinkedIn. Um, so if you want to find me, I, I'm there twice a day, pretty much every day. I'm um, talking about leadership, sales, culture, everything pertaining to the sports business world. So, um, you know, I'm always active on there. If you want to, you know, shoot me a LinkedIn message and, and we can chat. So always, uh, always open to, to give them back. Well, beautiful. I appreciate having you on and I look forward to keeping in contact with you. Absolutely, Zach. Well, appreciate it. Great job with this podcast. And then, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing the finished product.